everybody and welcome to another e5 podcast this one is going to be um about something different hopefully um and i have a co-host and my co-host is the ever recurring mr dan jackson aka dan's the engineer so dan this is going to be um this is going to be non we're not going to talk about depression or alcoholism or addiction or anything like that um we're going to do a bit of a a bit of a role play because I was thinking about this other day, because I went to one of your um, business events, you know, build your business events, and it got me thinking. Okay. And um, I thought to myself, well, you're helping business uh, owners, leaders um, to either build or develop or enhance or improve where their businesses are. Um, but let's do a role play. So I'm going to quit my job next week. I'm not, by the way, um, but I'm going to quit my job next week and I want to set up an electrical contracting company. Okay. We're just two pals having a chat. What 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 advice would you would you have for me in how I go setting it up? What I need to do? Um, what advice would you have for me? So and, and also all the other people listening out there. Some of them may already have a business and may not have considered some of these things. So what advice would you have for um, me? I want to set up my own business. Okay, so... What do I do? What I have do I so many questions about... Ask me questions, because this is a role plan. play. Okay, so, so this is my imaginary plan. Yes, fine, go for it. So somebody without a plan is just plodding along. They might do well, they might not. But somebody with a plan who has fought pre-fought, been proactive, is more likely to succeed. But my plan is I want to set up my own business. That's as far as I've got. Okay. So you just want to set up your own business. What's the yeah. purpose of the business? Because I'm fed up with working with somebody else, for someone else. So I want to set up my own electrical contracting company. And I want to do electrical installation work because I just want to be, I want to be my own boss. Who are you going to work for? I don't know. Um, so, I'll, so, I'll, you're, so you're going to quit your job yeah. without nothing lined up whatsoever? Well, this is a role play and, and we're literally role playing it. So This, this but, is a realistic conversation I have with people on a daily basis, Paul. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I thought I was just under pressure on a podcast, but um, <laughs> okay, that's fine. So I would like to be, I would like to own my own domestic electrical installation company and I would like to just put me on under the spot. I would like to build my foundations being a domestic electrical installation company and eventually build a team of guys and then go into doing industrial. I don't want to do commercial because it's way too com it's just it's a nightmare, but I'd like to do industrial factory warehouse type um fit out. So a domestic and industrial installation company in time. There's my business plan. So that, that's not a business plan that is literally just um saying there's what my you business do. aspiration yes there's my so what's your current experience with domestic and industrial installations um i did an apprenticeship that was a joint domestic and industrial um apprenticeship um i have done lots and lots of domestic work central heating wiring um, metering installation works all sorts of uh, domestic rewires, house, house, house rewires, house know. rewires, yeah, all that sort of stuff. External supplies, shed supplies, lighting, um, you know, larger houses, you know, the more luxurious mansion types, um, you know, multiple centrally in installations where you've got three or four boilers and some quite complex controls. I've done railway stations, depots, um, industrial buildings, warehouses, factories, um, flats council flats council rises so, you, so you've got the experience now yes um, have you any experience in quoting work and managing or you know project management at all dealing with clients okay um if i'm putting myself still in in, in the role play then for this role play let's say no yes i do but no for this role play no i don't um but how hard can it be incredibly hard okay well, incredibly hard. So, got for me. How do I price a job then? Okay, so you, you want to own your own company, but you've never priced a job before. Well, so, I'm kind of again role play. So, um, so you've done you've done private work essentially, and yeah, yeah, private work. 
35 okay. pound like a light 70 pound a socket so that's okay so so the first thing i have to kind of um make you aware of based on what you've told me about your experience yeah now um you may well be a very good electrician you might yeah. know technical knowledge that's fantastic you're becoming a business owner whether you're a sole trader whether you're a limited company you're becoming a business owner and it's a massive mindset alteration to being the electrician who works for somebody who turns up at work, gets paid their day, their day rate, their hourly rate or whatever it is that you get. You, it's not just about the technical competence. It's about the financial. Um, it's about legislation. Um, you have to know marketing, sales, how you run your operations, pricing. It's hard work. It's really hard work, especially if you're jumping literally with no experience whatsoever. If you've never done pricing, it's not impossible. It's achievable, but it is um, it's going to be a massive learning curve for you. Huge learning curve. Is there not like apps that can help me with that nowadays or what? Sorry. Is there not like apps that can help me with pricing of jobs nowadays? Is there is there a certain rules that help me with pricing? Well, first of all, you you need to know your figures and you need to know your overheads before anything. Now, a lot, what, what a lot of electricians tell me is that they, they charge, this is the magic number, by the way, okay. £250 a day. People yep. tell me all the time, that's what I charge, £250 a day. And I'm like, why do you come up with that figure? And they can't answer. They just basically say, that's what everybody else is charging. And I'm like, okay, but that's not you everybody's overheads are different depending on their circumstance. So it depends what van you get. Um, it depends, you know, who you use with insurance, how much it costs you. Where you live. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Insurance. Yeah, exactly. Where you are in the UK as well. Um, yeah. Massive difference. Um, and also, yeah, where you actually do your work, because we all know in London, you know, to work in London a day, it's like 60 quid before you even earn any money. Um, probably more. So, you know, you need to know your figures. You need to really work out. And because you've never done this before, it is difficult. Um, now, something I do with my clients is I, I have got, um, it's kind of like a calculator, um, which helps prompt you what you might need to outlay to run your business. Now, in the first year of business, it is very, very difficult because you, there's going to be some startup costs. You're going to have to think about vehicles. You're going to have to think about insurances, accreditation, which obviously you don't get straight away anyway. There's so many things to think about. Um, and first of all, are you going to be a sole trader are you, or have you thought about if you're going to be a limited company? Have you thought about that yet? Um, I was thinking uh, limited company. Okay, so I would always advise being a limited company over a sole trader, mainly because the difference being, if you're a sole trader, you're taking liability financially, um, if something, you know, well, financially and legally, if something occurs that's not quite right, if it goes wrong. Whereas with a limited company, it's with the company, not you personally. Right, so, okay. So, for example, if you, let's say you owe your 60 grand in debt for, for whatever bad debt, for a, a job goes wrong, if you're a sole trader, you own that, you owe that personally. Whereas, and that can obviously bankrupt you. Whereas as a limited company, I know this isn't right, but you could literally close a company tomorrow um, and the debt's with the company, not you personally. Right. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right, so a limited company then. Um, yeah, so I'm a one-man band. I need help. I know I'm going limited company. I want to start out small. What advice you got for me for, say, trying to win the clients? Because I know there's a lot of people who've started out. I mean, um, Thomas Nagy in the industry started out doing YouTube to, as a way of marketing. Now you've got every Tom, Dick, Harry, and everyone else who are doing YouTubing now. I don't know if it's marketing or not. Um, I, I, I would um, I would say yes. YouTube can work very well because YouTube is basically Google. Google is, is the, 
Yeah, it's basically Google. It's all done right. by search words. So the two most visited websites in the world yeah. are Google and YouTube. Google being number one, YouTube being number two. Google, um, YouTube is basically a search engine with videos. All oh, right, I didn't think of it like that, but yeah, okay. So all these YouTuber electricians, yeah, providing they're putting the right keywords in, will rank quite well, depending where they are and, and stuff like that. But on the flip side of it, it shows. Um, I know uh, Luke Witchard, for example, um, based in Surrey. I've seen him say before that he was doing it to kind of show his clients what he's all about. Now, what you've got to bear in mind is when you're an electrician and you're, you're working in a domestic market, you literally, especially in London, there is so, so much competition. It is yeah. ridiculous. So you have to stand out from the rest. So how you market yourself and how you brand yourself is really important. So, Paul, I've got a... Um, sort of a, a business model which I work with my clients for and all of the aspects are, are important but a lot of people neglect parts of them so it starts with finance we've got human resources that occurs even if it's a you know one-man band management right. and again management is how you manage your clients how you manage your jobs um, operations you know how we do things how our, how our workflow patterns arise from start to finish um sales you know what do we do to get our work and how do we make them sales even though i don't really like using the word sales in um electrics um but it, you know still part of the, the model marketing individual development and partnerships now most people will concentrate literally on marketing when they first start out thinking you know what have i got to do to get this work shall i do some stuff on facebook shall i do some stuff on you know linkedin and stuff like that but really you need to know your market you need to know that's why i said to you what work are you trying to get into domestic or industrial now by the way them two are completely flip sides of the industry um, so it is actually very difficult to market to both of them at once it's it's hard for any company no matter who it is um, even somebody starting out. Now, it's always good to have a niche in what you, you know, it's fine to generalise in electrical work, but you need to brand and market yourself with a niche. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. So I was thinking that if I was doing it, again, this is role play, um, not me being deliberately thick. Um, if I was doing it, I would, I would niche myself as a smart home installer, but also a smart industry installer. So I would I would look at the in the industrial installations utilizing the smart technology to give real value and data and analytics to the management of the buildings um, that I was doing the work in, um, which not a lot of people do. You go in a lot of industrial places, it's just it lights up, leave them on. So, so already, you know, you've got experience in this because obviously you know about it. Yeah. Um that's your strong point. So we've already recognized one of your strengths. Is it so you know, you might be very technically skilled here at, at that type of thing, which is great. So we need to kind of brand you um, and your branding based on that. So when you, you're marketing yourself on your website or social media, people need to relate Paul Mean and Electrical Limited or whatever with obviously this, this you know, smart home technology. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, your brand needs to basically sell that the whole time. So I, do you know what? I've got one client who is a lighting specialist. Okay. But his branding when he first started out had nothing to do with that. It, you wouldn't even know. He, he's just basically, you know, something electrical. It doesn't really mean it. Um, I think okay. a lot of, um, People when they first start out, they want their name in the uh, um, in the company name and stuff like that, which is fine. But yeah, mean and electrical rings brilliantly to me, but probably not to anybody actually using unless unless you've got like because a lot of people use the name because of the T Clarks of this world. 
Tommy Clark's. Yeah. It's named after a bloke, obviously, and they would love their their family name to be successful brand in the industry. But then some places will just want really silly names like, you know, Aspire or some other weird, like the apprentice yeah. type made up name. I mean, you, I mean, you can have a name that you think it's going to be searched, but the problem is, is that, you know, it could be something like, well, smart home technology. Do you know the best name for a company I ever heard was actually a company called EIs, Electrical Installations. They went bankrupt, but it was the best name ever for an electrical company. Yeah. Uh, and they were huge at one point, and sadly they were so big they went bankrupt. But um, if that name was still going, I would actually probably use that name. Um, because it was a fantastic brand. Electrical installations. I work for EIs. Great name. Simple, quick and easy. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone listening actually knows whether they're, that's been resurrected or whatever, but it'd be interesting to know. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So um, I've got to learn pricing. Just just to step out from the role play, there is actually, for those listening, because um, we do like to give facts about, there is actually a book called the Spons um, book which is used for um, pricing. It's an industry uh, accepted book, which if you're pricing conduit trunking, et cetera, et cetera, it will give you labor rates. It's updated yearly and it's the Spons book. Um, you can buy it. And if you buy a published like printed copy, um, you can actually get a free digital copy that you can put on like your blue fire reader on your phone. I have found that to be very handy. And if you're ever doing any industrial commercial pricing or you're asked to tender a job, if when your tender goes in, you say it's in line with the Spons uh, directory, then the commercial people reviewing your price will immediately go, great, it's an industry accepted pricing manual. Um, but that doesn't mean you just follow it blindly because, you've, as you said, Dan, you've still got overheads, you've still got costs. Um, anyway, back to me being really um, inexperienced of all this. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's really important for anyone listening if they want the chance to get that book. Um, so, okay, so I want to do domestic and industrial. Yeah. Um, I might do YouTube. Um, but, but the, like, but it, you might want to do YouTube, but it, it, YouTube takes a lot of time. In fact, okay, so how, how, market, do I grow, how do I market my business then? How do I get the customers in the door? So I honestly believe yeah. one of the most powerful things is a website because you own a website, whereas your social media page, you don't. Even your YouTube channel, if they want to shut it down tomorrow, they can. You don't yeah, actually. Found that out. Yeah. So, but the way I see it is that, you know, social media should, it captures the traffic and you push it towards your website because you can control your website. You can do what you want with it. And plus, obviously, you can, you know, you can rank in um, in searches. Now, if I was to market my own company, um, I would do some YouTube stuff because I think it's very powerful, but, you know, time permitting. Um, but with a website, blog posts are powerful because the more that you, um, you have new content on your website, i.e. blogs, because you're writing one a week or one every two weeks or whatever, Providing you've got the right keywords, Google pushes your website up the rankings, providing it's got the right keywords and stuff like that. It, there, is a, there is an art and a science to this, um, but it's about getting traffic to you. So if you, if you could do articles, you know, if there's a new topic that come out, for example, private uh, landlords, um, electrical testing, for example, if you wrote an article on that, a blog post, yeah. and it had the right keywords and was written in the right, right way, that could capture potential landlords that want to come to your your website, check you out, and then they'll see all your services. Ah, yeah, okay. So you're you're writing a thought piece that appeals to potential customers. Yes, just about getting traffic. Another thing, Paul. Yeah. Podcasts. <laughs> Honestly. Podcasts. So yes, um, me and Electrical, please employ us to do domestic and industrial. I need to get a jingle, don't I? Um, <laughs> Okay, so one of the one of the other chaps who came on this podcast, just to going back to host mode, um, Luke Richard, he uh, would go around leaflet dropping in his local area, and he yeah. seems to never not be out of work. If that makes sense, he's very tactical on his 
um, uh, he's uh, my trusted uh, uh, trader as well, isn't he? Which is a he's registered with the um, yeah, is my trusted trader or trusted trader or whatever it is. Um, and he seems to get a lot of work from that because they've got quite robust checking systems. Um, we know there are a couple of other um, like checker trade and all the rest of it where they seem to just get you in and take your money. And, and a lot of people seem to walk away from them after a while because they don't see any value in it. See, checker trade. Yeah. Um, I've I've had the experience with checker trade, and it worked quite well for me, personally. Okay. But you have to play it. As in, when I say play it, what they want you to do is to get reviews in. Right. But I was in a position where I, I had a good team of people. I could easily get reviews in because we was doing, you know, 10 jobs a day. So getting the reviews in was quite simple. If you're doing rewires, for example, and it's, you know, two weeks a job or something like that, and you can only get one rewire in, uh, one review in every two weeks... You know, you don't get pushed up the rankings because it's all about getting the reviews in on a regular basis. And again, that's my guess there is purely because, you know, it ranks them up higher on Google's searchability on search engines when they get new, new, you know, regular sort of um, web content and reviews and stuff. So There's a lot to learn, isn't there, with all this? This honestly, it's an absolute minefield, and it is a minefield. Yeah, so, so what, what people tend to do, Paul, and bear in mind, I've been working with a lot of um, guys in this position where they, they they're a very good electrician, and they set up their own business. They soon realise that actually they need a fuck ton of money, and the reason you need money is a because you you need to save for a rainy day as an electrical contractor because of the way the industry is and you know if you get a bit of a late payment or something like that um you need to allow for it also you might have a van as a problem one day you need to to allow yeah Yeah. you need to have the funds and without the funds you basically you you've got you know it increases stress and pressure if you haven't got the funds there to cope with it Um, so what you're saying is starting up a business is very hard very high risk you've got to know what you want you've got to do all your research you've got to understand your audience know where you're marketing do very targeted uh things to to bring in the punters and have a pot of money for a rainy day in case you get shoved do you know what that reminds me of saying it's probably worth putting in this podcast i was talking to a very dear friend um the other day i hadn't spoken to him in years he set up his own electrical contracting company in the UK. Let's put it like that. Him and his brother. And he um, he basically got approached by another organisation to buy his business. Uh, long story short, they bought his business. He got to work in some nice prestige projects for 12 months. After 12 months, the relationship went sour. The guy who bought his business took all his best men and basically brought the rest in and sacked all of them and took his brand his business everything and chucked him out the door yeah absolutely incredible and he'd, he'd, he'd killed himself for over two years trying to build his business thought he got lucky with someone who wanted to really give him a foot up and the bloke gave him a foot up threw him over the wall Fucked and kept off. everything yeah and ripped him off okay so two things you really need to pay attention for when you get into business um a good accountant and a good lawyer oh jesus okay okay um now accountants what people tend to do is they go oh yeah i found this accountant and all the accountant is really is a data inputter which basically you give them a load of information when it's due and they put it into the system and tell you what you've got to pay now to me that is absolutely fucking pointless because a you could do it yourself um but finance financial you know uh, working out your finances you have to be proactive now what a lot of people do is go on their finances based on what's in their bank, but that's not actually accurate because it doesn't really show you what's got to come out. It just shows you what's in the bank right now. You shouldn't really be looking at that figure. So what you should be looking at is your software, your accounting software. Now, if you start out in business, what some people do is have some Excel spreadsheets as invoices, pointless, utterly pointless. What you need is an accounting package. Now I recommend zero. There are others out there like um, Zoho Books, uh, QuickBooks. You know, there's loads out there, but Zero to me just kind of, I think, is really, really good. Um, but it is a little bit more expensive than some as well. And it, it, see, the thing is, it doesn't just do invoicing. 
you can put your expenses into, you can put your overheads, you can put your wages into, and you can look at different reports that tell you how much you've got to pay in the next month, two months, three months, so you can be proactive about it. What's it called? Zero. Zero. X E R O. It's very good. Um, can you use that for general day-to-day accounting as well? Yeah, it's accountancy accountancy package. Okay. So I have to remember that one. So I've um, the the best accountants are the accountants that work with you and run through your financials on a regular basis. And Paul, okay. you pay for it, but it's worth it because. When you first start up, they're going to ask you, um, do you want to register for this? Do you want to register for that? How do you want to pay yourself? Now, you know, as when you're first out in business, you ain't got a clue what you want to do. So you need somebody who needs to kind of have your interest at heart. And what a lot of accountancy companies do is treat everybody the same, which is wrong. Everybody's got individual needs, desires, different business plan, different ideas. So the accountant really needs to work with you and help you and you know i might say to my accountant look i'm getting i'm thinking about getting a new car this is what i'm thinking what do you reckon and then he'll say well the tax implications of that are x y and z what i recommend is is that you do this and then you offset that and you do that blah 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 obviously do everything above board um but they'll help you instead of like doing something that you think is right and then realizing that actually that's just cost you five grand a year when it shouldn't have um, so, you know, accountancy has to be really proactive. Now, the legal side, your mate, for example, got completely screwed over. A lot of electrical contractors are really scared about getting legal. Now, if you've never done con- contracting before, right, here's the news, right? Legalities are inevitable when it comes to contracting. At some point in your career, you're going to come across where you're being taken to court or you're taking someone to court. And it's fucking stressful if you've never done it before. But you, this is where the mindset changes from electrician earning a wage, whether you're self-employed, employed or whatever, to business owner, right? You can't let the business believe the business is you. All it is is a couple of letters you've strung together with a fancy name, mean and electrical, that you've registered a company's house to pay tax. And while we're on the talk of tax, don't take cash, as in take cash and put it in your pocket and don't pay tax. Fucking pointless. It's ridiculous. Okay, you're running a business. If you're running a business, you do things properly. So um, we get serious, right? VAT registered. Being VAT registered is a massive topic for some. Now, the, the threshold on VAT registration is £85,000 a year. Now, Paul, if you work things back, right, £85,000 plus how much do you want to pay yourself um, plus your overheads, um, plus materials in a job for a one-man band, it's quite easily to achieve eighty-five k a year. Yeah, it is easily. And the ones who aren't generally are taking cash, or they're not actually working that much, which is fine if some people don't want to work, um, you know, to, to earn that, and they can live on less, or however they're doing living their life. That's absolutely fine. But generally speaking, if you're trying to grow a business, eighty-five um, k. Is quite easily achievable with one man. So, mm. um, so again, you've got to be, you've got to think about this because if you, if you're VAT registered, um, you're going to not appeal to the domestic market as much because you're twenty percent more than ev- anybody else who isn't. Mm. So you've got to make a conscious decision from the start. Really, do you want to be VAT registered or not? Because, and that's why I say when you're going for the domestic market and for the industrial market, they're completely different. So. Um, but, you know, the domestic market, I know electricians, Paul, who are charging £400 a day and they're VAT registered. So that's an extra, you know, um, what's that? On top, yeah. yeah, 20%, eight quid on top. They're charging it and they get it. They do get it. Yeah, I think if you're billing uh, VAT and you're working for certain companies, they'll just pay it. It's it's a no-brainer for them. They just pay it anyway. It's just a default thing. No, but I'm, I'm also talking consumers. Some consumers will will pay that as well, depending oh, right. on how you dress up your figures and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. But then some people listening to this will also immediately be screaming at the radio saying, I wouldn't make any money. I, w- I-, I couldn't be a sole trader if I was charging VAT because that's just an unfair tax on the uh, homeowners who I work for and they won't pay it. I agree. Yeah, totally. But that's why... It's an odd balance, isn't it? And that's why, Paul, um, if it were me, and this is just purely my personal um, you know, opinion, opinion yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't go domestic at all, personally. Because 
um, the type of work I'd want to do is commercial, um, industrial. True. So, you know, straight away VAT isn't a problem. Um, the domestic market is very, very, very difficult because the consumer is um, generally not very clued up and they consumers treat electric electrical services like products they they can you know they try and compare um apples and pears together oh god yeah they do yeah without a doubt without um, a doubt having said that there, there's some i mean there's some amazing domestic electricians out there who have a very good career very good you know earn very well um and do very well you know do very well out of it there's um yeah some of them are podcast hosts with us exactly exactly and that's the market they know they they want to do personally it's, it's not my bag um having said that i have done it i have done it in the past um i think um get, getting working when you haven't got clients lined up is very difficult yeah building the client base isn't it it's because if you change someone's consumer unit how much repeat work do you get from that although guys who've been trading for a number of years always say that they have a loyal client base you know the likes of luke Wichard, lee wards they have people who regularly come back to yeah. them and say i mean i was talking to someone the other day we were we we're actually on a job we were setting it out and i said look what's your scope of work and they said it's this 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 and this and i said well you'll be back in six months installing power supplies for like projectors and six you'll be back again doing this and that and and they yeah. were like oh yeah that's a good point just make passive provision for all of it then you know that way you're not making a rod for, for your own back yeah Re repeat work is really important really really important because um you haven't got to vet that client again yeah um so again personally just my opinion i would always be aiming at work that is repeat work project work obviously larger projects you can you know turnover it will increase your turnover but sometimes profits aren't as great Whereas the profit margins are better on smaller jobs a lot of the time, but then there can be a lot of management um, time required to run them. And there's ways to do it efficiently with software and apps and stuff like that. So it's just to be a bit conscious about that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of costs. So use apps and try and find a marketplace, maybe write some blogs to do some engagement. Um, I think one of the hardest things, if we can talk about the elephant in this particular room, is, I mean, I've had some bad experiences with um, accountants yeah. who have totally Likewise. just screwed me over, um, just because they expected me to do a load of work that they never told me that they needed me to do. Um, so I didn't know I had to do it. It's the old, I didn't know, I didn't know sort of thing. Um, uh, the more you get older, the more you realise tax is an incredibly complicated beast and... <laughs> It takes only a finite full-time expert to understand tax and tax laws and, and what is taxable a benefit or, um, yeah, it's just a nightmare. Um, it would be fair to say, though, a lot of people, when they start doing self-employment, they do go in low. They start trying to build their base by basically just doing jobs at cost. Yeah, right. So I've, I've got, um, I had a guy first come to me for some business coaching and basically he was a right old mess. Like um, he didn't have any work. Um, he was pricing himself well too cheap. And the thing is, Paul, I think people are scared because they want the work. However, this maybe is a bit of a, a learning process as a business owner, but it's very important. And I like to highlight this to people from the start. You need to know your worth from the start. If you're charging yourself at, well, you're prostituting yourself at a very low rate, you attract that type of client. Whereas if you if you charge a decent price from the outset, but you have to give that value, that's the type of client that you're attract. And what I mean is by attracting the right client is you have to give off this impression that you're this professional company so you can justify your £400 a day or whatever it is you want to charge. But if you turn up in tatty clothing you're very unprofessional on the phone, you, you, you're very unreliable, then maybe you, you're not worth that money. But I know of some clients who will go to electricians and say, well, I only want you on a day rate, labour only, um, and then I'll go and buy the materials and you fit it. it. It makes it very difficult because there are clients out there who want to save as much money as they can 
Um, and the electricians are like, well, I need to earn as much as I can, obviously, because you've got family to feed, bills to pay. And they'll take these awkward positions that they're put in. And then once they get started, the person ordering the work will turn and say, well, no, I don't want that. Or, or you've been too slow on this or, or I'm not really happy with that. And then this is where the electricians have got to keep their wits about them as well. And get legal. This is the thing, Paul. Mm. Having terms and conditions and, and knowing the legalities of these sorts of things are really important. It's, it's not something that you can learn very easily. It mainly comes from experience. But again, you have to be very clear with terms, whether it's their terms or your terms, whoever you're working for. You have to be very, very clear and understand them. And it's I, very yeah, I don't disagree. I was giving someone some advice the other day um about a situation they were in and my words were basically to be firm but fair from day one in writing um in the spirit of trust and cooperation because there's a term used in most contracts and just set out the store um where basically you you then create an evidence portfolio um where you can if you have to take someone to small claim to court you can then at least have half a chance in front of a judge to say you took reasonable steps to ensure the money was there, the yeah. corporation was there. Because remember, when you're working as an electrical contractor, and this is the hardest thing so many contractors don't get, you have to be the duty of care to the client because the client won't understand. And if they think you're after more money, then you need to have a tailored approach that says, look, um, I'm doing this piece of work. There isn't a design or the design isn't complete. There's a risk here. This is going to cost you more money for the following reasons. We need this information um, because uh, you're going to be non-compliant or I can take it on for an additional sum of money. And if you won't give it the work to me, then I've got a problem because I need to certify these systems to 58397671. Um, and I can't do that unless I'm, I've got control of the design and the installation, unless yeah. somebody else has signed off on the design. And I see so many places where you walk in and you just go, where's the design? And everyone just goes, what? And it's an architect drawing of what it visually should look oh, like. Oh, completely. And it's absolutely jack shit design other than put some lights in. Um, we think they've got to look like that, but who cares? I see that way too much. Way yeah. too much. It's, it, the whole thing's a learning curve, really. Um, and, it, you know, it, it can be very stressful. Um, obviously, it, this is such a broad topic because every client's different. Every contract is different. Every well, situation yeah. is different. Every if, you're in, is different. if you're in the contracting world and you're doing JCT contracts and NEC and ICE contracts, um, then they're a whole different world of fish. I actually prefer JCT and NEC contracts. Um, we'll probably do a podcast on them one day at some point. Um, because when you go into the big industrial world, you do have to sign up to formal contracts. Now, if you're a subby of a subby of a subby, just be wary out there. If you subcontract for some guy on a major massive project, whether you like it or not, he probably is back to back to all the terms, conditions straight down to you. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the scary things because you won't know any of this. You'll get someone, and I've seen this before, someone ring up um, on a major project, I won't name it, um, and basically they were, a, let's get this right, subby of a subby of a subby of a subby of a subby, so five or six layers down. They'd done a fit out, no real design, although there was a design, but it hadn't worked its way through the five layers. Um, it was a complete balls up. It wasn't done correctly. It was a it was a domestic install in an industrial environment, which weren't going to work. And it was delaying the job. Now, this poor contractor could have absolutely been destroyed, bankrupted out of oblivion, because all they would have done is took all the program delay charges and lumped it at the contractor. And he would have just dropped it all the way down the ladder. Yeah. to this poor bloke who was basically there on 250, 300 pound a day. Yeah. Assuming he's labor only and he's not. Yeah. And that's the sort of stuff that that can and does happen. So I think... Yeah, and these these, these big contract, you know, these main contractors and, you know, uh, I suppose subcontractors to them, they fucking know all this. Of they course do they it. do. They do it on purpose because they're just preying on the weak. They, and, yes, without a doubt. You know, they do it. So, but uh, something I think um, can be, can fill a few gaps... Um, in the beginning, when you first start out, is actually subcontracting to other companies. But yeah, start I, small. Yeah, start small and sort of work your way up. But I, w I would never aim to solely subcontract forever um, with one. Company. No, 
It's got, you've got to build your confidence, haven't you? You've got to yeah. you've got to start if you're going to dip your toe in the water, dip your toe in the water in the right way. Build your confidence, subcontracting for a company who are decent and are not going to throw you under the bus, um, who can work with you. And then the minute you've got that rapport, start looking for another client. Exactly. And then before you know it, you've got three or four loyal sub guys you can sub for while you're building that knowledge. And remember, when you're working with them, you go into sponge mode. You absorb all the knowledge, all the behaviours, and everything you can that's good, that can benefit you and your confidence in running your business. Do, do you know one thing um, I, I've done for a long time, Paul, is um, so, reflection. So at the end of okay. the week, I will reflect what I learned that week with my business or people I've worked with or something like that. Reflection. Okay. And it's exactly that, absorbing like a sponge, just reflecting on what I've learned that week. Um, and I think it's important because making the same mistake twice is pointless you should never do that definition of madness isn't it yeah i know yeah 100 percent. so uh, lots of business owners do do it yeah they do they they constantly do it i mean it's very easy for me to say do this do that blah 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 but every business is is completely different literally completely different so you know you first of all you need to know who you who you work who you want to work for your market and how you're going to get in there now if if you've got no network whatsoever or no potential client you're an absolute madman just dropping your well-paid job to go and set up your business unless you've got loads of money and you've done your research you've got a business plan and you're well, call my alternate ego mad then um it just shows it's a labyrinth though doesn't it it's an absolute labyrinth um when people have asked me i've always said if you want to go self-employed, yes, do it because you've obviously got the passion and drive to want to do it. But um, go in, work as a subcontractor for an established company, learn from them, make your mistakes, build your relationships, um, understand your supply chain, what you want to do, how you want to do it. Um, get your skills, your knowledge polished. Go from a rough diamond to a polished diamond. Eventually, what you'll end up doing is you'll end up winning your own clients, winning your own work, building your own confidence, yeah. bringing your men along with you, but you know, getting a loyal team of people. Um, we know people that have got companies where their companies would fail miserably if it wasn't for the loyalty of the men. They look after the men. They look after them properly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Financially, spiritually, you know, all the rest of it, they look after them. Um, the biggest challenge of our industry is, is I know, I know electricians that have turned up on the job, agency guys, to help support other permanent electrical contractors. And the first thing you hit get out of the electrician's mouth is, what's the deal? And they're like, they'll be like on £150 for the shift, for eight hours a shift, say, or a seven-hour shift. And they'll turn up and go, great, now I'm here. I'm getting paid my money regardless. Now, what are you going to pay me to actually put in a day's work? Yeah. So they want more money on top of that. And, and that is sadly one of the big problems in industrial and major projects where well, the guys unionise and start just trying creates, to get as much money as they can. It also creates really bad morale in a company because I, I see it a lot of the time when you've got PAYE guys um, on a company, there might be 10 of them, you get some subbies on from an agency who are actually paid far more than what the PAYE guys are and they, they can do half the work, they're actually useless. Um and it just creates this massive poor because you, you we know Paul the guys on site they all talk about how much they earn and oh yeah I'm on a more more hours than him he's on it. Yeah, I remember they... one bloke if he found out anyone was on ten pence more than him an hour he would go to the managing director and threaten to resign yeah. until he was on a penny more than this other bloke per hour it was that petty they had nothing else to do and that's one of the dangers in industrial it can be quite quiet and boring waiting around for works to start and and sparks can become their own worst enemy i do not miss site cabins on industrial i miss some of the banter i miss some of the characters but i do not miss the the gross sycophants that you can encounter in industrial work because some of them are just just very toxic nasty human beings that just shouldn't be employed in my opinion some of them but the thing is there'll be someone else who actually likes that not yeah. the toxic side but likes that that route in you know and yeah. probably have a very good business out of it and um, well i think the electrical industry is in a point now where there's so much work that needs to be done and not enough skills to do it if you know what you're doing 
you're, you're touch wood, you're not going to be out of work. Yeah, Paul, honestly. Tons of people who, who don't know what they're doing as well. I get a lot of um, sort of uh, guys come to me and they're, you know, a bit disheartened by how crap some of the standards are and stuff like that. And I say, look, look at the plus side. It's really not that difficult to create good reputation. <laughs> so, and, you know, there's work out there, literally. I know loads of guys that they they don't have to do much to get a lot of work because it's like, oh, he's an electrician. Oh, let's give him a chance because they can't get hold of somebody else or whatever. It's It's not that difficult to actually start getting the work really it um, isn't it isn't although i do think the industry's gonna have to start tightening its belt quite a lot and regulating on people because i think there are definitely people doing electrical installation work that shouldn't be doing it and i don't mean newcomers into industry i mean there are, i know listen i've met people who when i was an apprentice who'd been in the industry 30 40 years and i wouldn't let them touch a screwdriver yeah i just wouldn't let them touch a screwdriver yeah um and you need to be wary as a business owner that when you're bringing new people in to help you build vet them if you're going to look after them and go on a journey with them vet them um, yeah, you you have to have competence at the forefront of what you do otherwise you if you don't do that paul you create a business risk and that could be financial it could be death you could kill somebody without yeah. you know the right competency but competency isn't just what you know technically as an electrician um it's also financial because you could be fined financial competence risk competence business competence this is is the point if you're not competent in a field you have a choice you either remain incompetent and run the risk or you get somebody in who is competent and that's a great thing about outsourcing and getting you know a professional in yes you have to pay for it but can you afford not to have them i think question really competence in any trade is very much like a a muscle in your body if you exercise it and stretch it and you feed it well it will look after you if you don't exercise it and use it regularly it will just shrink and turn fat and be pretty much useless and stiff and sore so i think it's the same with any form of competence but yeah you're right there um and my alternate ego has decided not to go self-employed although um, self-employed or business owner paul a business owner there's a big difference yeah i know there is yeah you're right there is um business owner i think i've done self-employed sparking um agency and all the rest of it it was just giving other people money to do not much admin um and i thought i was you know i was living the dream but yeah business owner i think this time to be honest with you um if i was ever to well i mean at the moment i wouldn't go as a business owner for an electrical contractor but this is just hypothetical, of course. Um, yeah. There's a lot of challenges. Um, maybe there's probably more that the industry bodies can be doing to help them. I think the ECA do it quite a bit, um, trying to help. But you've got to be a member of the ECA, and that costs money. It's not that so, much, though, really. These things aren't in the grand scheme of it's things. It's proportionate to your turnover, though, isn't it? Exactly. And, it, yeah. you know, even the, um, you know, the CPSs, it's not that much, Paul, really, in a grand scheme of things of what... So if you win a £20 million contract, leave immediately because they want all your money. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's difficult. But for me, yeah, if I was ever to set up an electrical contractor, it would be a, a business, not a not self-employed. It would be setting up a business to invest. Um, and I'm a firm believer of, and I've worked in enough companies to know this now, if you invest in the people around you, I mean the good ones who actually give a shit, yeah. then they'll they'll be loyal back. They'll be loyal back. Yeah, 100%. Simple as that, really. Most blokes, when they go to work, are loyal to their pockets and their bank balances because they have to be for their families. Um, and that's something key as well that people need to consider when they're actually bringing people in. If you bring in subbies, you need to be very mindful that if you bring in a couple of lads to do a job and you're pushing your business boundaries, those two guys can absolutely cripple you if you don't approach them right and engage them right and pay them right and all necessary checks on them so it's complex you you definitely have to have and set out a clear understanding with the people that work for you for you from day one and i've been i make it very clear the guys that work for me i literally say look you look after me i'll look after you it's that simple if you want to fuck me around guess what's going to happen to you like it's literally that straightforward um and it's you have to be very blunt with people um because there are a lot of piss takers out there but i've 
I've always treated, well, I say always, towards the latter years, I've always treated people with compassion and I get a lot more out of people due to that. But I'm very, it's, trust me, that, that compassion isn't weakness at all. Mm. It's, it's just a very clear understanding between two people. This is what I expect from you. What do you expect from me? Cool. You get what you want. I get what I want. Seems fair enough. Seems fair enough. Um, you've given us loads to think about. Now, um, is it fair to uh, do a little plug here? Because I think it's getting on and we probably should wind this down because people may be um, falling asleep. Listen, just you never know. Apologies um, if you found this one slightly uh, not to your taste. But, hey, we want to cover as many subjects as possible. Um, Dan, um, you have a website. You do business coaching um, as, as a consultancy role. Um, it's one of your passions, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, you've given me a lot to think about. You've also given my alternative ego, um, who we've been role-playing, a lot to think about as well. Um, any last words of advice before we wind this one up? I just think um, when you run a business, you have to think about the bigger picture. It's not all about money. Don't treat it all about money. It's the bigger picture. It's about the people that work for you, yourself, lifestyle, we don't have to work like absolute dogs throughout our whole life. So if you are working for someone who is thinking minute by minute by minute by minute, they may not be a sound investment for you and your mental yeah. health and your own personal and business growth. Yeah, that's it. You look after yourself, everything on your outer side gets looked after too. Fair enough. Okay, all right. Well, we'll leave this here. Uh, Dan, um, please come back and do some more. I tell you what, for anyone listening, if you have any thoughts or feelings or requests or questions, um, please go onto our YouTube page and subscribe there and leave a comment below because I think that's quite a good place to put repository of comments or info at e5group.org.uk. Um, we're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on Instagram. If you just send us a message or you contact Dan, Dan's the engineer on Twitter, Facebook and everything else, um, and just drop us a message. If there's anything more advice you could possibly want or you want to attend one of Dan's seminars, Dan's, you've got a website where all your dates will be on that eventually for in the yeah, my, months. My website is um, developmybusiness.com developmybusiness.com okay there you go so developmybusiness.com um brilliant dan i've attended one of your events which has been good fun and if you want to hear more please let us know if you have any ideas or thoughts for future podcasts we've got a book full of different ideas and different guest hosts coming so um until the next time dan thank you very much cheers thanks a lot and until the next one take care of yourself and each other bye-bye goodbye